0: You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's help in 5768-2008. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Truma. We begin the unbelievable construction of the Mishkan. What was so unbelievable, what was so special about the Mishkan, we need to understand. But certainly on a a simplistic, superficial level, the Mishkan was the place, this sanctuary was the place where God's presence would dwell. And because of this Mishkan, because of this sanctuary, the presence of God would dwell among the people of Israel, upon the people of Israel. And therefore we need to look deeply and carefully at each of the different parts of the Mishkan, each of the different kalim vessels that were used in the Mishkan and what they represent and what they mean to us. Because by doing so, if we can take those lessons, the lessons of the Mishkan, the lessons of how we can create a sanctuary within the people of Israel, we can create a sanctuary within ourselves, within our own hearts, and within the people of Israel. Now as we've seen on a number of different occasions previously, whenever we see that the Torah describes something, whether, whatever the context is, the first thing that's described is the most important thing. So now, when we're talking about the construction of the Mishkan, the construction of this tabernacle, what was the first thing that the Torah describes? It's the Arun HaKodesh, the Holy Ark. Because the Holy Ark is the heart, the lave, the center of the Beis HaMikdash in the times of the Holy Temple. And in the Mishkan, during the 40 years that the Jews wandered in the wilderness. Now what's so special about the Arun HaKodesh? What was so special about this Holy Ark? What was so holy about the Holy Ark? And the answer is what was placed inside, because the in, inside is the essence. What was placed inside? The Shnei Luchos Habris. We had a number of different things. The first thing is the Shnei Luchos Habris, the Ten Commandments, the two tablets upon which Hashem Himself inscribed the Ten Commandments. And not only that, the broken ones as well as the reconstructed ones, the new ones, the ones that Moshe Rabbeinu Himself hewed out. Those, those two things were placed in there, as well as it's in Senes Haman, a small jar within which was placed a piece of man, which would would be saved for all generations. And the last thing that was placed inside of this Ark was the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu himself wrote. What do we see? The main thing that we see here is that the Aron represents the Torah. The Aron, which was placed inside the Holy of Holies, represented the Torah, and also the connection, the bris, the covenant that was made between man and God. Because the Had Hadibros, the Ten Commandments, represented the acceptance of the people of Israel, of the Torah, their commitment to God, and God's commitment to the people of Israel. Anoichi Hashem Elokecha, I am Hashem, your God. You shall not have any other false idols before me. That's the idea that Hashem is making us His people, and we are His people, and we are completely subservient and completely faithful to Him. Significant also is the fact that where was it from this point on, after the Mishkan was built, after the sanctuary was built, from this point on, where was it that Hashem spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu? The Torah tells us that from this point on, whereas previously Moshe Rabbeinu could theoretically receive a prophecy anywhere he was, from here on the Torah says, where am I going to speak to you? I'm going to meet with you there, says Hashem to Moshe. I'm going to speak to you from above the Kaporis. The Kaporis was the cover of the Aaron, the, the cover of the Holy Ark. And he spoke, Hashem spoke to him from beneath the Kruvim. The Kruvim, the angel-like figure, stood atop the Holy Ark. And from underneath them, the voice of Hashem would be heard to Moshe Rabbeinu which is an incredible thought, if you think about it, because what it means is that the Torah is represented by the Ark. The Ark is the vehicle for the speech of Hashem. Hashem speaks to Moshe Rabbeinu from on top of the Ark, because the Torah itself is the force, is the vehicle with which and through which Hashem communicates to man. Another significance of the Ark, our teachers teach us, is that we find that the law is that the Ark has to be gold on the outside, gold on the inside, and in between there was wood. The Ark was made out of wood. On the inside was gold, on the outside was gold. What's the understanding of this? The sages explain that this is the chichas. The Ark represents the Torah and also represents the Torah scholar. A person who's a Torah scholar has to be gold on the outside and gold on the inside. He has to be tocho kebaro. His outside has to represent accurately what he has on his inside. His inside has to be something that's completely pure, Completely gold. A person who's a Talmud Chacham, who's a Torah scholar. He represents the Torah to the world. He represents God to the world. He represents spirituality to the world. So he has to have perfect character traits because whatever he represents is how people will perceive the Torah and how people will will perceive someone who's attached to God. So it's imperative that such a person be within and without beautiful, gold. Our sages also tell us that another reason why there was a layer of wood in the middle between the outer gold and the inner gold was so that the, the arc would not be too heavy because as we know, gold is one of the heaviest metals that exist in the world. So if you had an arc that was solid gold, it would be impossible to carry. So therefore Hashem commanded that the middle layer in between the inner layer of gold and the outer layer of gold, that middle layer would be made out of wood. Wood is much lighter and therefore would be much easier to carry. Now, the first question that I'd like to pose to you here is, what is the significance of the fact that it had to be lighter? Our sages tell us that, in fact, the Aron was no es no seve. It carried those who carried it. Which means that the Aron itself was not being carried by the Kohanim who were carrying it. But, in fact, the, the Aron would float on its own, so to speak, and it would just look as if the Kohanim were actually carrying it. But, in fact, the Aron itself was carrying the Kohanim. Those coins that were carrying it were being carried. So why why is it necessary or important that the Aron be lighter? Okay, now we're going to put that question on hold, and we're going to go now to the menorah and the shulchan. The Aron HaKodesh, the Holy Ark, was placed inside the Kodesh HaKodesh, in the Holy of Holies. That meant that the Torah, the Holy Ark, which represented the Torah and the bris, the covenant between Kalei Yisrael and Hashem, between the people of Israel and God, that was in the holiest place, that was in the heart of the Sanctuary. That area of the Kodesh HaKadoshim was enclosed completely. Then you would walk out of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Where would you find yourself? You'd find yourself in a different section that was also enclosed. And that section was called the Kodesh, the Holy. It wasn't as holy as the Holy of Holies, but it was also holy. And what would you find in that section, says the Torah, you would find the menorah, the candelabra, and the shulchan, the special table upon which sat the twelve showbreads. These twelve loaves of bread would sit on the shulchan from week to week, from the beginning of the week till the end of the week. And at the end of the week, miraculously, they would be as fresh as they were at the beginning of the week. And they would be handed out to the groups of Kohanim who would be involved in the service in the Beis HaMikdash or in the Mishkan. Those who were involved in the service would receive their portion of the Lechma upon of this holy bread. Now, what was the significance of the menorah? So, our sages tell us that the menorah also represented the Torah. Kiner mitzvah, a candle is the mitzvah, Torah or the light is Torah. So we see that light represents the Torah, and the menorah as well represents the Torah. On the other side of the room, what did we have there? We had the Shulchan. The Shulchan represents the parnassa of Klai Israel, the livelihood of Klai Israel. That's why there are 12 loaves of bread. And each of these 12 loaves of bread represents, says Rabbi Vigdor Miller, the 12 tribes of Israel and the parnassa, the livelihood of each of those 12 tribes of, tribes of Israel. In fact, says Rabbi Vigdor Miller, the, the bread itself in a certain way is a prayer to Hashem, a tefillah, saying, Please God, let there, let there be livelihood for the people of Israel, each of the twelve tribes. Let them not have to depend one on the other. Let each one be able to provide for the, themselves. So Rabbi Yaakov Hillel, who is the Rosh Yeshiva, the head of the Yeshiva for Kabbalists in Jerusalem, so he writes in his book, Ascending Jacob's Ladder, he asks the following question. He says, Why is it that we need to have the menorah, which represents the Torah, and we also need to have the Aron, which represents the Torah. Why do we need both of these levels within the Beis HaMikdash, or within the sanctuary, the Mishkan? Would it not suffice us to have one? It would seem that each of these things represents something different, a different aspect of the Torah. What is it that each of these things represents? To explain this idea, Rabbi Yaakov Hillel brings down a Gemara in Brachos, Lamed Heya, page 35b. The Talmud states an interesting argument between Rabbi Shimon Bayochai, the author of the Zohar, And Rabbi Ishmael. And the issue goes like this. The question is like this. The verse says, A person is enjoined to learn the Torah day and night. On the other hand, we say it says in, in Shema. We say every single day, "Va'safta degonecha." You have to gather in your grain. Says Rabbi Shimon "How is it possible if a person is sowing at this time of year and he's reaping in this time of year and he's planting in this time of year? The whole year he's doing something. He's involved in his parnasa. He's involved in his livelihood. When is he going to be involved in his in his learning? So it must be that you have to learn all day. Forget about your parnasa. Hashem will send it somehow." That's what Rabbi Shimon Bar says. Rabbi Shema says. That's not possible, that can't be. A person has to put in his effort. There's an idea of hishtadlus. A person has to try his best. He has to dedicate some time during his day to to earning a livelihood. And the rest of his day, the rest of his time, he can spend learning Torah. The bottom line, according to Rabbi Yishmael, is that a person has to accustom himself to do according to the regular ways of the world. How is it in the world that what do people do in order to earn a livelihood? They have to work. So a person has to spend some time working, and the rest of his time he has to maximize learning Torah. Whereas Rebbe Shimon Bar Yochai was on a different level completely. He said what a person has to do is just learn all day, all night, and Hashem will provide for him. Somehow Hashem will provide for him. He'll have a wealthy uncle, he'll have a, a cousin, someone will, will, will somehow shell out the cash will come in a natural manner, or perhaps a miraculous manner, whatever it is, it will come. Don't worry. The Gemara finishes off this whole discussion and says that many people try to do like Rebbe Shimon Bar Yochai, that they tried to just learn Torah all day and all night, and depend on Hashem alone, and they weren't successful. However, many did like Rabbi Yishmael, and they were successful. Rabbi Chaim Velazhin tells us, said Rabbi, said Rabbi Yaakov Hillel, Rabbi Chaim Velazhin says, that it doesn't mean that no one succeeded with Rabbi Shemuel by Yochai's method. There were people that succeeded, but they were very few. But for most people, the way to success, the road to success, is by doing both, by learning, as well as working. Now, Rabbi Yaakov says, what we see from here is that there are two different types of people. There are two different types of Lom de Torah, two different types of Torah scholars. There are those who dedicate themselves completely, wholeheartedly, and they have nothing else on their mind. All they do is learn Torah. That's one type of person. For him, he has the ability to, to depend completely upon Hashem, and that's it. There's a second type of person, which is the Hamon Am, which is really, this really applies to most people. And those people, they have they're enjoined, there's a Chiyuv, there's a halachic requirement upon them to learn every single day. The, one of the first questions that they ask you after 120 years, after a person passes away, is Kavata Itam Lotorah. Did you set times for learning Torah? That's the Hamon Am, the regular person. So he has times for learning, and he also, he also has to make a livelihood, so he's involved in that as well. Interestingly, Rabbi Yaakov Hillel also brings down the Rambam, seems to contradict himself. He says two completely opposite things in two different places. In one place he says that a person should not just learn by himself, stick himself in a corner and take money from people in order to be able to learn. That's not what a person should do. Rather, he should spend two to three hours a day in his livelihood and the other nine hours of his waking time, he should be involved in learning Torah. That's what the Rambam says. That's the Ichar. That's the main thing to do. Elsewhere, the Rambam says something completely different. He says that we find that there's a concept that Hashem takes care of his Kohanim, his Levim. Those that serve him, Hashem gives them Truma, the special tithes that a Jew takes off when he lives in the land of Israel. Those were all given to the Kohanim, those who served Hashem in the Beis Hamikdash, and to the Levim, the Levites, who also were serving Hashem in the Beis Hamikdash. So... Hashem takes care of those who are close to him. Says the Rambam, an unbelievable thing. Any person can choose to be a Bechir Hashem, a chosen one of Hashem. Anyone can go and say, I'm going to spend all of my time learning Hashem's Torah. I'm making myself holy to Hashem. And Hashem will provide for that person just like Hashem provides for a Kohen and a Levi the contradiction is glaring. On one hand, Ramam says that you're not allowed to learn all day and, and take money from people. On the other hand, he says that if a person dedicates himself completely to Hashem, Hashem will provide for him. What's the explanation? Says Rabbi Yaakov Hillel. the explanation is exactly what we're saying. There are two different types of pre- people. One person is completely dedicated to Hashem. He's not going to take anything from anyone. He's going to completely trust in Hashem. He's going to learn the Torah all day long. And he's going to, somehow, Hashem will provide for him. That's one type of person. The other type of person is another person. He knows that he can't completely dedicate himself from morning till night completely to Hashem. That's not possible for him. He goes in the regular way of the world. He spends some time on Parnassah. He spends as much of his time as he possibly can learning the Torah. That's the explanation for the two different types of people that the Rambam describes. Now let's return to the Kalim, these vessels in the Beis HaMikdash, the Holy Ark, the Menorah, and the Shulchan. What did these each represent? And we'll see a beautiful idea that comes out here according to Rabbi Yaakov Hillel. And that is that the Arna Kodesh, the Holy Ark within the Kodesh Hakdashim, represented the person who was completely and solely dedicated to Hashem and His learning. That's it. What's inside of the Arna Kodesh? The Sh'teluchos Abris, the Torah, the tablets of the Ten Commandments, and what else? The Tzintzenes HaMon the miraculous bread that was given to the Jews inside the wilderness during the 40 years they, they were in the wilderness, that miraculous bread is inside of the Aaron. Why? Because a person is completely dedicated to Hashem from morning to night. He's in the Kodesh HaKadosh, from the Holy of Holies, and he somehow merits to that miraculous bread Hashem provides for him miraculously. And I and I want to tell you, I personally have seen many people who completely dedicate themselves to, to learning Torah there in Kollel, day to night. Somehow they don't know how Hashem Provides for them through this one, through that one, one way, another way, somehow it all comes together. What's the second level? The second level is for the Hamonam, for the regular people, for the rest of Ka Yisrael. What's the way a person has to be Kovei Itamah Torah? That's the menorah. The menorah represents the light of the Torah that shines, says Rabbi Yaakov Hillel, seven days a week. And what's on the other side of the Kodesh? The Shulchan, the table that represents Parnassah. Because a person who's on this level, so he has two things. He has Parnassah, he, he works for his livelihood, and he also spends much of his day, or a significant part of his day, learning the Torah. That is the two levels, the Kodesh and the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Rabbi Yaakov Hillel ends off this piece and says something very important and very interesting. The Arun Kodesh, the Holy Ark, had two beams on either side of, with which to carry it. And even when the, the arn was stored within the base Hamikdash, in a place where there was no longer, it was no longer going to be carried, it was no longer being brought in the wilderness, it wasn't being carried from place to place. Nevertheless, the beams stayed within the Ark, next to the Ark. They were eternally attached to the Ark. What's the explanation for this? Why is this true? because the beams represent those that uphold the Torah, those who support the Torah, those who support those who are learning, those who are dedicating themselves completely. Meaning a person could be in the Kodesh, a person could be someone who spends part of his time earning a livelihood and part of his time learning the Torah. But nevertheless, he can still dedicate himself to helping and supporting those who are learning the Torah full time, or dedicating themselves entirely to the Torah. And they also share with those people who are in the Holy of Holies, and they also are there, because the staves of the Arun Kodesh were there for and they remained in the Holy of Holies for all time so much so the Chavez Chaim tells us that a person who supports the Torah so every single word of Torah that's learned because of that person when he comes to the Olam Ha'emes when he comes to the real world after 120 years he's going to actually have that Torah he's going to have that knowledge implanted within his mind because it was because of him that that knowledge was learned that's the incredible power of supporting Torah one last question that we didn't answer yet was why is it that the, there was wood inside of the Arun kodesh to make it lighter? If the arn itself was not actually carried by those who were carrying it, but rather the arn carried them, why was it made that way? So I once heard a beautiful idea from Rabbi, Rabbi Yitzchak Izrahi, one of the Rashi Yeshiva of the Mir, and he says that Hashem specifically made it that a person would think in his head that this Aaron is not as heavy as it could be. Hashem made it lighter for me. This way, even though the Aaron is not going to be carried by me, but in my mind I see it as if I am carrying it. And therefore, I need to have the ability to think in my mind. It's not so difficult. And this way I'll go and I'll give it the effort and I will try and I'll pick up the Torah. I'll make that effort to try to fulfill the Torah, to, to make that spiritual connection. It's something that really is impossible. It's really something that's only a gift from Hashem. Hashem is actually the one who's going to carry But nevertheless, Hashem made it in such a way. The Arna Kodesh was made in such a way. Even the Torah itself was made in such a way that on the surface it would seem like something that's possible to do in order that we should give it that try. But in the end, originally it's a type of yegiyah. We're trying, we're putting in the effort, but it's matsasa In the end, we find it. It's a matsya It's something that we really haven't found because of our efforts, because Hashem gives us the Torah. It's a gift from Hashem. I want to bless you and me and all of us that Hashem should give us the gift of the Torah, whether we're spending our time learning completely all day long from beginning to the end of the day, or whether we're only dedicating part of our days to it and we're also earning a livelihood. Thank you for listening. Have a very good Shabbos.